right. Thank you so much. And again, thank you for being here on this Wednesday night. How many of you brought your Bible with you? Will you hold up the Bible all over the building? And if you will, I'd like for you to take your Bible and open them to the book of Malachi tonight, the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 2. And that's page number 981, if you have an old Schofield Bible, Malachi chapter number 2. Very easy to find. Just find the book of Matthew, turn back one book, and you'll find the book of Malachi, all right? And uh, don't forget our ser services on Sunday. Our Sunday school is at 9 o'clock and preaching at 10, and then back again Sunday afternoon at 5.30. And I hope you'll pray much. Pray that God will bless us and help us and give us a good day this coming Lord's Day. My mind, my mind, my memory sometimes gets a little rough. I invited those preachers to come preach. Couldn't even think of some of them's names. But my mind gets rough. My, my, my memory, I can't remember things sometimes. And my wife the other day said, you need something for your memory. So she went to the drugstore and she brought me something called Prevagen. And she brought it home. She said, this stuff right here has got something in it that jellyfish has got in it. And it'll help your mind. I said, honey, we've been down at the beach enough to know. Every time you walk up the shore, jellyfish laying all over the place. Ain't even got enough memory to stay in the water. That stuff ain't going to help me none. I didn't take it. And so my mind's just fine. I can't remember a thing. But it's okay. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Tabernacle Baptist Church, I'm glad you're here. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's read Malachi chapter 2 tonight, verse number 1. And I'd like to read down through verse number 9. If you'll just leave your Bibles open and follow me along. Look at verse 1. And now, O ye priest, this commandment is for you. And if you will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you. And I'll curse your blessings. Yea, I've cursed them already, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feast, and one shall take you away with it. And ye shall know that I've sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you're departed out of the way. You've caused many to stumble at the law. You've corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all the people, according as you have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. Now, I'm telling you, just reading that right there, just at face value, if you didn't have any clue what it was talking about, I think the one takeaway we could all take away from that text is this. Man, God's upset about something. I mean, he is angry about some things that's going on. But what I would like to do tonight, if I could, is just offer up an explanation of this and tell you what all this has to do with us. All right? So let's pray. Father, would you bless your word and speak to our hearts tonight. Help me as I try to expound, explain the word of God. And God, may our hearts be open. And God, may you, as I have tried to put it in, 
May you draw it out of me and help me to share it with your people. And then, Father, for anybody here that's in this building or maybe listening by the way of radio that has things going on in their life that shouldn't be going on, maybe somebody sitting here has never even been saved. Lord, you know about all that. So I pray that the Word of God would just do its work here in this service. And as we're told in the Bible, that it shall not return unto me void, but it shall prosper whereto you have sent it. It'll accomplish what you've sent it to do. So, Father, use your word to help us tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you've been with us recently in our Wednesday evening services, then you may recall that we are currently on a journey through the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. It is a book that was written almost 2,500 years ago, and yet I think, as we have seen in these services, this book is right up to date, this book is relevant to the day and the age in which you and I are living in. We spent five weeks back in chapter number one, and time and time again we saw how the condition of the people and the condition of the priest in Malachi's day was nothing more than a mirror of the condition of the people and the condition of preachers in our day. Remember I told you back in chapter one that God had pictured himself in three different ways to the people of Malachi. Back in chapter 1 and verse 6, God said, I'm your father. Back in chapter 1, verse number 6, God said, I'm your master. And back in chapter 1, verse 14, God said, I am your king. Now, as a father, we owe him our love. As a master, we owe him our labor. And as a king, we owe him our loyalty. But the people of Malachi's day neither loved the Lord, labored for the Lord, or were loyal to the Lord. In fact, God was just so disgusted with the whole thing. If you look back in chapter 1 and verse number 10, God was so upset with the way things were going, He just simply said in verse number 10, Look, if you can't do no better than this, if this is all I mean to you, if you're going to bring me your worst sacrifices... If you don't want to be any closer to me than this, if you don't love me any more than this, then I think we ought to just close the doors and let the fire go out. Now, brother, I'm going to tell you something. That sounds like to me the Lord was just pretty fed up with the way things were going, spiritually speaking, in Malachi's day. Now, doesn't kind of all that sound a little bit familiar to us? Because as I've told you, in Malachi's day, the people were living before the coming of the Lord Jesus, the first coming, that is. And you and I are living in the days prior to the second coming of the Lord Jesus. And one of the great characteristics of the last days Christian and the last days church is their take-it-or-leave-it attitude when it comes to the things of God. Our indifferent, our callous attitude when it comes to anything spiritually. We know that one of the, the last day's church, according to Revelation chapter 3, is the church of Laodicea. It is that stage of the church when the Bible says this about the people. I know thy works, God says, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, God said I will spew thee out of my... God said I'm just disgusted 
with the overall attitude, take it or leave it attitude, when it comes to anything that has to do with me. Similar similarities between Malachi's day and our day. People in our day are just offering up to God just whatever is left over. People in our day, just like they were in Malachi's day, were not doing their best for the Lord. They were not even in the same zip code of best. They were not even in the same area code of best. I mean, they were just bringing to God whatever just because it was just a routine, a motion of their life. And God said, I'm just fed up with all of that. If this is the way it's going to be, just shut the door. Just let the fire go out. If nobody thinks any more of me than this, then just let's be done with it. Well, about that time, God called a man by the name of Malachi with a heavy message. Back in verse number 1, it's called the burden. It was a heavy message because it was a heavenly message because it is the burden of the word of the Lord. God gave Malachi a message to the people. Now, Malachi was an Old Testament prophet. And let me tell you something. Anytime you're reading through your Old Testament and a prophet comes on the scene, that was never a sign that things were going well spiritually in the nation. Every time that a prophet appeared on the scene in the Old Testament, it was always because the nation was in a spiritual decline. They were in a spiritual descent away from God. And so God would call these prophets to come and to prophesy and preach to the people to remind them of where they ought to be and how things could be if they would only get right with the Lord. Now, we know in the New Testament we don't have prophets, but we do have preachers. And the preacher's job is not only to uh, comfort the afflicted, but to afflict the comfortable. To wake us up. To say to us, man, let's don't be indifferent and calloused and cold. Let's don't bring God our leftovers. Let's do our best for the Lord. I'm not after you tonight. I'm glad you're here. I want you to know, before I even ask this next question, I'm glad you're here. And I'm thankful you're here tonight, not home watching Gunsmoke. I'm, I'm glad you're in church. But can I ask you something? Have you done your best in this service tonight? I mean, I was standing up here a moment ago just thinking about this. Just, just think about how you sung tonight. Did you do your best? Most of you were like me. I couldn't remember the words, no way. I need some prevagen. But did you do your best? Hey, when we prayed a while ago, were you even in the same area code of doing your best? I mean, a lot of times we just come in like Malachi's day and go through the motions and offer up to God whatever's left over, somehow thinking in some wild notion, God's going to bless that. Ladies and gentlemen, God deserves nothing than our best. So God called Malachi. I told you this. Deity had a message for the clergy, and the clergy had a message for the laity. And this whole chapter, tonight in chapter 2, is a message to the priest, the spiritual leaders of Malachi's day. Look at verse 1. And now, O ye priest. So we know right up front, now God's not necessarily talking to the, to, to the people. God's talking to the priest of Malachi's day. Let me say it like this. In New Testament times, we say it like this. God isn't talking to the, God isn't talking to the people. God's got a message for the preachers. 
And in this message, God is laying the blame for the condition of the people on the condition of the priest. In other words, he said, man, the reason that the people are so cold and indifferent and calloused is because the priest of the people of God, the priest of God are cold and indifferent and calloused. God said the reason the people are in such bad shape is because the priests are in such bad shape. Now, that, that is so true because when you have bad leadership, you're going to have bad fellowship. Let me say that one more time. When the leadership is bad, the fellowship is going to be bad. Now, in every church, listen, let's bring this in the New Testament. In every church, there are only two groups of people. In this building tonight, in this church, sitting right here, I would consider this to be the cream of the crop because you're here on Wednesday night. Thank you for being here. I love you. But in this service tonight, there are only two groups of people sitting here. Now, that's not the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils. That's not even the Democrats and the Republicans. That's not the Red Sox and the Yankees. The only two groups of people that sit in this church tonight are the leadership and the membership. Now listen to me. If leadership is right, maybe the membership can be right. And if leadership and membership is right, then the fellowship will be right. But when leadership gets bad and membership gets bad, then the fellowship is going to be bad. That's right. And it really all starts with the leadership. I remember years ago, and many of you probably, older ones, can remember uh, or, or remember hearing of a man by the name of Dr. Lee Robertson, uh, the pastor of, of uh, Temple, Baptist, Temple Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, Chattanooga, the church there that he pastored, the college there, all of those years. Uh, man, I can't even think of the name. Highland Park. And I've been there before, walked in that massive church Walk the grounds around there, the college of that. And he used to be famous for the statement that he said, everything rises and falls on leadership. And I believe in a measure that is so true. Can I tell you something about our church? And we've got a good church. But let me tell you something about the church. Our church is one pastor away from apostasy. Our church. I'm talking about Woodland Baptist Church is only one pastor away from apostasy. Now, i got to tell you something, friend. You better pray for your preacher. And by the way, thank you for praying for your preacher. You better pray for your deacons. And we need to pray for the leadership of this church because we're just one pastor away from going south, one pastor away from uh, apostasy. So it demands that we hold our spiritual leaders up in, in prayer, you do understand if everything rises and falls on leadership, who's the devil got his heaviest artillery aimed at? Because if he can bring the leadership down, if he can bring the preacher down, then he can discourage the hearts of the people of God. So that's why we really, really need to pray for the preacher. Now, he's writing to the preacher. And know what you're thinking right now. You're probably thinking, well, this is to the leaders, man. I can sit this one out. Don't do that. I want you to listen to what God said to the priests or the spiritual leaders in that day. Now, this whole text wraps itself around four words. I've got them circled in my Bible. I didn't alliterate it. The Holy Spirit did. Let me ask you to circle four words. These are the four points to our message. First of all, look at verse number one and circle the word 
commandment. So the first thing we have is a commandment. All right? Then in verse number 2, circle the word curse. Because in verse number 2, we have a curse. Then when you come to verse number 3, would you circle the word corrupt? Because now we've got a corruption. And then if you'll drop down to verse number 5, would you circle the word covenant? And if we'll kind of get a hold of these four words, we'll kind of understand what God's message is to be spiritual leaders, the priests of that particular day. And by the way, you know the Word of God's just good for us today as it was back then. So it's a word for the spiritual leaders of our day as well. Now it all starts, verse number 1. It all starts, verse number 1, with a commandment. So God said, okay, priest, set up now. Uh, preachers, give me your attention. Hey, deacon, spiritual leaders, give me your attention. Listen to what i got to say, because in verse number 1 he said, hey, this is for you. It is a commandment. Now, what is the commandment God's talking about for spiritual leaders? Well, if you'll drop down to verse number 2, you'll see this commandment involves three things. Look at verse number, uh, verse number 2. First of all, it involves attention. It involves attention. Look at verse 1. If ye will not hear. Now, God said, number one, hey, spiritual leaders need to sit up and listen to the Word of God. Hear the Word of God. You know that word hear is one of the greatest verbs of our Old Testament. You can count them, but that word hear is used 1,160 times in the Old Testament. And it means this, give your attention to Listen to the Word of God. Give your undivided attention to the Word of God. God said, hey, if you will not hear, what's he talking about? The Word of God. What was the problem with these priests? They weren't listening to the Word of God. But let me tell you something. Spiritual leaders need the Word of God just as much as spiritual lay people need the Word of God. Hey, listen, I'll tell you something, friend. Your preacher needs preaching to just as much as you need preaching to. You go to my car, my truck, my daddy's truck I bought off my mama, but you get in that old truck, there are tapes. It's got one of them little disc, compact disc tape players still on it, and it still works. I've got tapes strode everywhere in that truck. You can't sit down until I get the tapes out of the seat. You know why? I ride around listening to preaching all the time. You know why? I need preaching. I need it, man. I need somebody every once in a while rip my face off and hand it to me. I need to get on the altar just as much as you need to get on the altar. We need preaching. Spiritual leaders need to listen, give our attention to, undivided attention to the Word of God. You know, we live in a day and age when it's unbelievable how many people are paying no attention. Did you realize the majority of automobile wrecks in our country that takes place every day are caused by people who are not paying attention? I'm guilty. I mean, I'm telling you, because I do this. I'm kidding. Pay no attention. I mean, we drive down the road. I go to the hospital about every morning of my life. I pass cars sometimes with ladies driving in them with those, those visors pulled down, putting on their eye shadow. Go, or whatever the ladies put, rouge. Put that rouge on their eyes up here, whatever. And they're driving down the road putting that stuff on just like... 
ain't paying a bit more attention to man the moon. The majority of automobile wrecks in our day are caused by people who are not paying attention. It is a, it is a known fact that countries, uh, companies in our country lose millions of dollars every year because their employees are paying no attention. Last year in the United States of America, this past year, school year, 33,500 students flunked out of college for the simple reason they are paying no attention. But you know, tragically, the greatest place for people to come and pay no attention whatsoever is in church. I mean, listen, we hear, but we don't hear. We're moved but we don't move. We come to church and we simply just don't listen. I can't tell you. I remember years ago, this was at the first church I ever pastored, and I think this was really a good family. I really believe they were a good family. But I preached a series of sermons on a Sunday night. I called it the Charismatic Confusion. And I preached on what the Bible says about speaking in tongues. I preached four weeks in a row, biblically, what the Bible says about speaking in tongues. After four weeks of preaching, that Sunday night, Miss Becky in that church asked me, Preacher, after church, can I speak to you for just a moment? And I said, Yes, ma'am. She come up to the pulpit after service with that over, and she said, Preacher, can you tell me, what does the Bible say about speaking in tongues? Four weeks of it. She heard, but she didn't hear. You know, sometimes around here we preach about giving God and paying God and tithing to the Lord. We preach a lot about that. We have to. And we say, hey, man, let's be sure. I say stuff like this. What would happen if one Sunday, if everybody would come in and pay God their tithe? And I preach about stuff like that. But I'm convinced that everybody that comes over here does pay God. Pays them no attention. And God said, I just want to tell you, all right, now you priests, set up now. Give me your attention. Listen to the Word of God. The first part of this commandment has to do with our attention. Notice, secondly, uh, the second part of this commandment has to do with our application. Notice he said, if you will not hear. And then notice this, and if you will not, lay it to heart. In other words, he said, hey, set up now. Listen to me. But then let the Word of God in your heart, lay it to heart. Hey, let the Word of God change your life. Apply the Word of God to your life. By the way, God's Word will change your life. The Word of God will make the necessary changes in your life to cause us to live in such a manner that we'll please glorify and honor the Lord if we hear it and then lay it to heart. Give attention to it, but then apply it to our lives. By the way, how many of y'all believe this? Say amen if you believe this. God's Word is powerful. It is. We have a great verse over there in the New Testament said, Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is quick and it's living and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God is powerful. I heard about this one lady. She went home one night and after church, and when she got home, she was surprised to see a burglar in her house. I mean, and by the way, he was just as surprised to see her as well. Well, when she saw him, the first thing that popped in her mind is what her preacher had said one time. When you get in a troubled place in your life, quote out loud the Word of God. Well, all she could remember was what the preacher just preached on, Acts 2.38. 
So she said to this guy, this, this burglar, she, when he saw her, he took off and she screamed, Acts 2.38! And he stopped, he froze. I mean, just stood there. She got on the phone, called the police. whole time, the police were making their way there. This guy was stoic, like a statue, frozen. When the police got there, they cuffed him and took him out to the car and placed him in the car. And the officer that was putting him in the car said, Man, I don't understand this. Why in the world? You could have easily outrun this elderly lady. Why did you stop? He said, Are you kidding me? When, I, when I, she saw me, she screamed something about an axe and 238s. He said, man, are you kidding? I wasn't going nowhere. <laughs> hey, can I tell you something? Word of God. It's powerful. It might stop a burglar sometime. It's exactly right. Hey, he said, give me your attention. Apply the Word of God. Lay it to heart. But then the third one has to do with this. Uh, it has to do with attention. It has to do with application, but then it has to do with adoration. Look again at verse number 2. God said, give glory unto my name. Now, this is commandment for the priest. So he said, okay, now sit up, listen to the Bible, let the Word of God apply it in your life, lay it to heart, let it make changes in your life, and then, hey, guys, hey, leaders, hey, give me the glory. Give the glory to my name. Push the praise toward me. I remember years ago, I'm sure Brother Roger remembers years ago, I remember years ago Brother B.R. Lakin saying there are three things that will get a preacher in trouble. Girls, gold, and glory. Can I tell you that many preachers have been ruined by girls. Many more have been ruined by gold, but the majority of preachers have been ruined by glory trying to take from God the glory that is rightfully due Him. Listen, if anything ever happens around here, can I tell you something? Thank you for your encouraging words. I appreciate you coming up, pat me on the back, say, Brother Tim, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, That's wonderful. Thank you for doing that. But can I tell you something? Hey, God deserves the glory. Amen. Can I tell you something? I can't do anything that, that has eternity attached to it. I can't do anything in the saving of a soul. I've saved a few of my life. Most of them's in jail tonight. But if God saves people, hey, let's give Him the glory. Hey, let's, let's just get out of the way. Let's let the spotlight shine down on the Lord Jesus. Hey, I'll tell you what, I kind of got it in my mind, Jesus will hang around in a place when where something happens, people are saying, to God be the glory. Push the glory toward the Lord. So this whole text starts off, all right, spiritual leaders, I got a commandment for you. All right? Next we move from the commandment to the word curse. So there's a commandment, but then there's a curse. Now God said, now listen, God said to you priests, you spiritual leaders, okay, since you're not listening, and since you're not laying it to heart, and since you're trying to take the glory that rightfully I deserve, God said, I'm going to curse you. Look again at verse number 2. He said, I will even send a curse upon you. Now, don't, don't get in your mind that God's going to cast a spell on these people. It's not what this is. Can I be honest with you? I don't know exactly what it is. But I tell you this, I don't like the sound of it. I ain't sure I really understand it all. But I tell you what, I don't want no curse from God. 
God said this in verse number 2, I will even send a curse upon you. And then God said this, I'm going to curse your blessing. And God said, oh, by the way, just so you know, I've already done it. Why? You're not listening. You're not laying it to heart. You're not giving me the glory. And since you're not following this commandment, I'm going to put a curse upon you. I don't know exactly all that's involved in that phrase, a curse upon you, but i got to say again, I don't like the sound of it. It doesn't sound like anything that's real fun, does it? It doesn't sound like anything that's going to make my life happier. It sounds like to me God is saying to these people, look, man, if you don't love me any more than this, and by the way, the reason the people were bringing these corruptible sacrifices and offering them up is because the priests were accepting them. The priest should have looked at the people and said, Look, we know the Bible. We know the Word of God. We don't offer up to God anything that has a blemish or a spot upon it. No way. Take this back. But these people, these priests were just, man, they were just trying to, I guess, get paid, go along, not ruffle anybody's feathers. And I'm here to tell you, one of the reasons our country is so full of anarchy is because our churches are so full of apostasy. And the reason we got so much apostasy going on in the church is because we got preachers anymore that won't stand up and say anything about anybody. Man, they don't want to make anybody mad. They want to, they want to ear, tickle everybody's ear and they want to shoot a little rose water and make everything just sound wonderful because they don't want to ruffle any feathers. They don't want to rub the cat the wrong way. And I'm telling you, one of the reasons we're in the mess that we're in tonight is because we got so many lily-livered, soft-soaping, whitewashing, compromising preachers that won't stand up and say anything no more. I'm not, I don't even claim to be politically correct. I don't even care about that. I can't even believe some of the things that we're doing in our culture today. But if you don't want to hear about it, don't come over here because sometimes it just spills out. Yes, sir. God said, I'm going to curse the whole crowd. I'm going to put a curse upon you. All I know is this. When we don't do what God wants us to do, we hinder ourselves from the blessings of God. Let me prove it to you. Look at this verse, Jeremiah chapter 5. Look at this verse. Your iniquities, God says, have turned away these things. Read this last part with me. And your sins have withholden good things from you. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like to me when we, when we won't listen to God's Word and apply it to our heart or give God the glory, God up in heaven reaches over to the, to the spigot of His blessings and just and cuts them off. And we start getting things, good things, that should be ours, they're withholding from us because of our sins and our iniquities. Look at this verse right here. Look at this one. Isaiah 119, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now stop there. Boy, I like that verse. I like eating the good of the land, don't you? I like that part. Well, the, 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 the condition is willingness, and obedience. But he goes on to say this in verse 20, But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. In other words, God said, Hey, listen, obey, do it, be willing, I'll bless you. You rebel, you refuse, that's your choice. But I tell you what, judgment's going to come upon you. A curse. Now let's move to the next word to understand in this text, and that's the word corrupt. Look again at verse 3. Behold, I will corrupt 
your seed. Now look at the word seed. A lot of the commentaries that are read behind use that seed like in terms of barley seed and wheat and beans and corn. But I don't think that's the implication here. I think the seed that's being talked about is their children. In other words, God said, okay, you priests, you spiritual leaders, you don't want to listen to what i got to say, you don't want to lay at the heart, you don't, want to, you don't want to give me the glory that's rightfully due me. God said, okay, that's fine. But you're going to pay for it through your children. I am going to corrupt your seed. God said, this old don't care attitude is going to hurt your children. The word seed means offspring or children. You know, in a real measure, sit up please, we're almost done, but in a real measure, how we as parents live, what we allow to go on in our lives will affect our children's attitude toward God. We do understand that, right? Our, what we allow to go on in our lives will, and, and our faithfulness to the things of God will really determine our children's attitude toward the things of God. Listen to this statement. We have today what we tolerated yesterday. And I will have tomorrow what I tolerated today. So here are these priests. They start letting anything and everything go on with these kinds of offerings. No matter what kind of an offering it was, it was brought, that was brought, it was accepted. They were just going through the motions. They just tolerated it. And now God said that kind of an attitude is going to affect your children. They will be corrupt. Now I'm going to look this way. In many cases, in many cases, through no fault of the parents, children rebel and turn against everything they've been taught as a child to hold dear. We see that happening a lot. And through no fault of their parents, their parents did what was right and brought them up right, and then they turn out to be somebody that they, their parents don't even recognize. I get that. That happens a lot. But can I tell you something? More often than not, what happens is the parents begin to tolerate this or that in their lives. And what you and I do in moderation, our children will do in excess. I want to say that one more time. What you and I do in moderation, our children will do in excess. God is talking to these priests and he's just simply saying, hey, you can, you can go your way if you want to. You can keep on going through the motions if you want to, but you're going you're gonna to see it in your children some of these days. A corruption. Can I tell you something? There is no heart hurt to the heart of any parent like the hurt that your child inflicts upon you by what they do. There ain't no medicine. You can go to every doctor in the country, but there ain't a doctor in the world that can give you a medication for a hurting heart. Boy, for no other reason, we ought to make up our mind we're going to do what's right for the sake of our children. When we tolerate it. We begin to allow things to go on in our life that we know we shouldn't allow to go on. Different things start happening in our life. There's toleration. There's moderation. And then our children take off in excess. God help us. A corruption. And last of all, look at this. Verse 5. My covenant, my covenant. God is reminding these priests of why they are priests. God is reminding these priests of what he saw when he called 
the tribe of Levi, to be the priest of God. Look at verse 5. My covenant was with him of life and peace. So he's talking about Levi. Now we know there were 12 tribes in the nation of Israel. Reuben, Simeon, Gad, Naphtali, you name them. Asher. Asher is my favorite one. Name Asher means happy. Uh, Dan. I mean the whole crowd. Benjamin. But there was one tribe named Levi. And God said when he looked down upon the tribe of Levi, he, he, he saw in them life and peace. Look at verse number 5. He said, I, I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. I can't help but think maybe there's a picture. Remember when Moses was up on top of the mountain for 40 days? And when he come back down, that whole crowd had peeled their clothes off like a bunch of bananas just peeled their clothes off, and they're down there dancing before this naked calf. And I mean, man, Moses come down off that mountain with an arm full of the Word of God, and he wasn't afraid to use it, neither was he. And he didn't come off that mountain seeking approval. He come down from that mountain looking for a place to stand. Amen. He found him a place in the gate. He got that arm full of the Word of God. He threw it at the people, and the, the Word of God broke, and the commandments of God, because they had broken the command of God. And then Moses said, Who's on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And you remember who the tribe was that come? Yeah, Levites. They gathered together with Moses on that day. And God said, man, I saw in you people that feared me and was afraid before my name. Look at verse 6. He said, I saw the law of truth was in your mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity. He did turn many away from iniquity. I think about Phineas. How many of y'all remember Phineas in the book of Numbers? He was a Levite. Remember that? And, and when Cosby, not Bill, but some of his people, Cosby, and, and that Cos, I think Cosby, and when it took that Midianite, Midianitish woman and took, him, took her into the tent right in the side of everybody and was going to commit immorality. Remember an old boy by the name of Phineas? got his sword and said, Bless God, not, not here, not now. And he went into that tent after him, and he took his sword, and he plunged him through and stayed the judgment hand of God. He's a Levite. And because of his actions that day, he kept thousands of people from, in Israel from dying. He turned many from their iniquity. Look at verse 7. Let's see. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge. They should seek the law at his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. God said, my covenant, I saw these things in you. But then in verse number 8, God said, you don't even resemble what I saw. Look at verse 8. But you're departed out of the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. I don't want to be a stumbling block, do you? He said, you bunch of priests are causing people to stumble over your carnal, worldly lives your people are falling over you. I wonder if there's somebody here tonight sitting in this room and because of the way you've been living, you're causing people to trip over your life. People are watching you. Oh, yeah, you're a Christian. Oh, yeah. If you're one, the woods is full of them because we don't live right. Let's read on. This is so wonderful. Aren't you glad you come to church on Wednesday night and get bawled out like this? Look at verse 8. That you are departed out of the way, you've caused me to stumble at the law, you've corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore, I have made you contemptible and base before all the people according as you have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. God said you have destroyed the covenant that we've made together. In other words, the reason God is so mad, upset, disgusted, 
is because of what's going on right here in the pulpit. Well, we gotta we gotta be sure that we got the right kind of leaders, and we're following. I, I'm not asking you to dot every I and cross every T like me. And you don't have to do that if you don't want to. You can be wrong if you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Just forget that. I mean, <coughs> shut up, brother Mark. <laughs> but I tell you what, if you got a good, godly person that's trying to lead you, follow their leadership and pray for them. Amen. Because I'll tell you something, man. Good people mess up their lives just like anybody else can. Pray for your leaders. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for the Word of God.